sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of a Wednesday live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Have you heard? Football is back. By the end of today, all 32 NFL teams will have reported to camp. And by the end of today, on this Wednesday, all five Power Five conferences in college football will have officially started media days. The ACC started yesterday in Charlotte. We'll have a report from North Carolina in just a few moments. And today in Indianapolis begins Big 10 media days as we get ready for 2023 in college football. There were already going to be numerous storylines entering this event in Indy for Big 10 media days. The final year of just 14 teams in the conference before UCLA and USC joined the Big 10 to start 2024. Interim head coach now at Northwestern, David Braun, who was hired only back in January, will face questions for the first time at Big 10 media days today following the hazing scandals that have really overtaken all of Northwestern athletics and then added on to those narratives Jim Harbaugh is working with the NCAA to find a resolution that will most likely see Harbaugh suspended for four games for Michigan to start off the 2023 college football season. This all pertains to an NCAA investigation into Michigan's football program following a recruiting violation where Harbaugh met with recruits paid for dinner during a COVID-19 dead period during that recruiting session. But it's not even the crime that's the worst part it's the cover-up because Jim Harbaugh like many of us thinks the NCAA is a sham of an organization and made false statements during the NCAA's investigation so because of that he is working along with his legal counsel and Michigan athletics to come to a resolution that would see him punished suspended for the first four games of this Michigan football season to start 2023 it has not been made official just yet but sources reporting yesterday to Yahoo Sports's Ross Dellinger now we say that all with a grain of salt because Michigan doesn't necessarily always schedule the toughest non-conference slate in college football certainly that has not been the case the last few years Jim Harbaugh rightfully so says why should I make my schedule more difficult where a single loss can provide a huge blemish on my college football playoff resume so Michigan's first four games in 2023 all at home in Ann Arbor in the big house against teams that combined to go 23 and 27, a .460 win percentage last year in college football. In fact, their average win total for 2023 of the first four opponents for Michigan, all at home, East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and then the Wolverines Big Ten opener against Rutgers. That average win total for 2023 
is five. These teams not expected to do much in this upcoming college football season. But their opening opponent in ECU was the only team that had a winning record in 2022. And yet, the Maize and Blue booked as a 34 and a half point favorite at home in Ann Arbor in their season opener. So if Jim Harbaugh is to miss four games at some point during the college football season, the first four for the Wolverines probably makes sense. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. Hour number two of a Wednesday live on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. So Big Ten Media Days begins today in Indianapolis. Jim Harbaugh is going to be there over these next two days. He might not be there for Michigan's first four games of 2023. Now yesterday, Cleveland.com, as they do on an annual basis, released the Big Ten media preseason poll where the Wolverines were picked as the champions of the conference. Michigan has won the Big Ten title each of the past two years. Here's the odds outlook for the Wolverines once again. Picked as the preseason favorite, but not the favorites according to the odds. They're 20 cents behind their rivals in Ohio State in both the East Division and the Big Ten title market. But to make the college football playoff, plus 125 for Michigan, the fourth best number to win a national championship at plus 850. Of course, the Maize and Blue have upended their rivals, the Ohio State Buckeyes, in each of the last two college football seasons en route to winning the Big Ten East and a Big Ten championship and appearing in a college football playoff. Again, if Harbaugh is going to miss some time, the first four games make sense as Michigan's final home stretch of their season, two of their final three games on the road at Penn State in the third to last Saturday of this college football regular season at home in the game hosting Ohio State to end out the regular year. Speaking of the Buckeyes, Ohio State is the favorite to win the Big Ten East plus 105. You can see that tier of three with Penn State at 5-1. to one. Nine years now of the East versus the West. The two divisional champs facing off for a Big Ten Conference Championship. All nine years in that title game, the East Division champion has won the eventual Conference Championship as well. Georgia is the favorite to win three consecutive national championships at this moment. Plus 220 for the dogs. Alabama, the second best price. Then those two teams, the two rivals from the Big Ten, Ohio State 7-1, Michigan plus 850. Out of that group of four, Michigan is the only with a returning starting quarterback in J.J. McCarthy. ACC Media Days, that's up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. So we just told you in our most recent segment together, Big Ten Media Day starts in just a little bit in Indianapolis on this Wednesday. But yesterday on a Tuesday, ACC Media Days underway in Charlotte. We welcome you back to a Wednesday live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all of our radio terrestrial affiliates here as well, all across the Sports Grid network. So yesterday, ACC. 
ACC Media Days getting underway. The ACC, a conference entering this year without divisions for the first time in 2023. Say goodbye to the Atlantic and the Coastal with two teams battling, it seems, for that top spot. Clemson and Florida State both with win totals of nine and a half this season both looking to claim a conference championship something Clemson despite not reaching the college football playoff did a season ago for Dabo Sweeney and the Tigers seventh ACC title in the last eight years and in the six years prior college football playoff was also on the horizon for Clemson after winning the conference title. I believe we are ready to go. Live from Charlotte, North Carolina, joining us in the thick of ACC media days, it is our good friend Josh Graham, who has the longest standing sports talk radio show in the triad for WSJS Sports Radio as well. Josh Graham, we appreciate your time as always and your insight for how you handicap the ACC entering 2023 you know what's funny I literally just ran into Pat Narduzzi about 10 minutes ago and he reminded me hey you got to give you your props man you were right the last two years about who's going to play in the ACC championship game of course Pittsburgh two years ago I was the only one to pick them and then last year North Carolina was that sleeper that got to the ACC championship game. Unfortunately, we don't have a coastal division anymore, but still, I guess we can forecast what the championship game is going to be without them. Josh Graham, I would say, though, with the Coastal now in the rear view and in the record books, we can call you the best capper in the Coastal we have ever seen, correctly predicting the divisional champion that played in the ACC title game each of the past two years, the lone man with the stones to back Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett in 2021. So let's talk the conference as a whole, because, Josh, right now in college football is an interesting time. Here in 2023 is the final year before we get to a ton of changes next year ucla usc join the big 10 texas and oklahoma join the sec the expansion to 12 teams of the college football playoff in 2024 and everybody is bargaining and negotiating for the best tv rights deal they can find jim phillips the acc commissioner speaking about that very idea yesterday josh to kick off acc media day saying quote this league is third right now in revenue we've looked at it third is certainly a good position but we want to gain traction financially to close the gap with the sec and the big 10 so jim phillips josh says the acc is third where do you believe the conference stands in the landscape of college sports they are third and that's fine like i understand wanting to chase the big 10 and the sec in terms of the financials i understand that that's capitalism that's american you want more you could try to get more i'm cool with that but this idea in sports that having less money means that you can't compete or that if you have more it's a birthright to success it's unfounded and it's a lie that's sold frankly by university Mm -hmm. presidents in 80s (laughs) florida state that's trying to tell us that the acc is in some sort of crisis that i think that's misinformation like look everywhere in sports i'm a baltimore orioles fan the orioles are first in the ales and they have a fourth of the the bankroll or the payroll that the yankees have and the yankees have it won since 2009 the knicks spend more than anybody else i hate to really rag on new york sorry about that but the fact that like you have more money doesn't immediately mean 
that you're given success. I mean, the Big Ten, again, I don't want to offend Ben Stevens over here, but they haven't won anything, a national championship in football since 2014, and a basketball championship since 2000. And again, they have more money than anybody, it seems like, other than the SEC, but certainly more than the ACC has. So, yes, they're third. And third is fine. And if anybody in the Big 12 is going to argue that because they have slightly more TV revenue than the ACC does right now because the ACC's deal has been locked in through 2036, ask yourself this question. If the grant of rights didn't exist anywhere in sports and the SEC could poach anybody, how many ACC schools do they poach before they even think about going to the Big 12? If they wanted Big 12 schools, they could have had them already. They got the two that they wanted that will join starting next year. The ACC doesn't have anybody who's poached, but if they could poach them, you know it's North Carolina, Clemson, maybe Virginia, Florida State, before you get to one Big 12 school. Certainly so. And again, you see the fiscal year revenue from 2022, not just TV rights revenue, but where things stand all around the Power Five conferences in all of collegiate athletics. I would agree, Josh. It's a very interesting time in college sports where TV rights revenue is one thing, but the off-the-field numbers does not necessarily equate to on-field success. So let's focus on the actual on-field matters. The football season in the conference in the ACC for 2023. It's been, frankly, a disastrous two years in Clemson, South Carolina, having failed to reach the college football playoff but even last year Josh 11 wins an ACC title for the seventh time in the last eight years Florida State had a huge year the most successful year under Mike Norvell a bold victory to cap up a 10 win season Josh as you look at these teams from the ACC that were above 500 a season ago and where they stand entering this new year in college football which team do you believe brings the most momentum into this new season well I'm glad you framed it the way you did about Clemson. It's like, oh, a disastrous season. Won 11 games last year yep. or the year before that. They won double-digit games. They've won double-digit games for over a decade at Clemson. They're going to win the league again. Don't buy any of this Florida State hype because every year, Ben, every year I sit at this very chair and you have me on yep. and you asked me last year about the U being back and North Carolina the year before that, and we have to be the ones to fade them this year. Florida State's that team. It's staring you right in the face. They have to go to Death Valley this year. They open up with LSU if Jalen Daniels back. I I'm sorry to be that guy, but the value is not there with Florida State, but I will tell you who the value is with. It's all about the U. It's all about the U, wow. Ben Stevens. Everybody here has been calling me a nut, just like a year ago, North Carolina and Pittsburgh the year before that. Look at how many four- and five-star players are still on this team. It feels like whenever there's recruiting momentum, the talent or the production comes a year after the hype does. That's why you should watch out for A&M and the SEC this year. That's why we should have saw North. a lot of more people should have saw North Carolina coming a year ago. And Miami in year two of Mario Cristobal with Tyler Van Dyke at quarterback and the OC from Houston coming in. That's the team I have circled a couple of times in terms of getting the most value for your buck. The Miami Hurricanes getting to Charlotte. I don't think to beat Clemson, but to get to Charlotte. 
23 to 1 is the price on the Canes. It's the sixth best number to win an ACC title. So quickly here, Josh Graham, my question about the tier of two, Clemson and Florida State, was going to be, is this the ACC title game now with no divisions? But you're telling me it is more likely that Miami plays in the ACC title game than their in-state foe in the Knowles. 23 to 1. Let's rock with it. Miami Hurricanes. That's... And that might be a mic drop out of Josh Graham. Sometimes the media, Wi-Fi at Media Day is not all the best. Josh Graham is back. I don't know if we're going to be able to bring him on in the final 20 seconds of this segment. But, Josh, a sincere thank you. Thank you for joining us live from Charlotte for ACC Media Days. Josh Graham has had a nose on this conference the last two college football seasons. They might call him crazy down there in Charlotte for back in the Canes, but geniuses not always appreciated in their time. The Subway Series in New York. That's up next on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to a Wednesday live right here on the morning after on sports Grid. Here we are in the middle of Manhattan. It's a big day in New York sports. The second game of the subway series between the Yankees and the Mets after the Amazons take the opener. Thank you, Pete Alonzo and Justin Verlander nine to three last night up in the Bronx at Yankee Stadium. The Giants reported the training camp yesterday. Saquon Barkley seems to be much happier with his organization and the Jets have already been at practice for a week getting ready for next week's hall of fame game to start off the nfl preseason so to help us make sense of all of that nikki latarulo joins us live right here on this wednesday on tma nikki now here in new york city doing some sensational work for sny she will be at the second game of the subway series set tonight inside yankee stadium nikki thank you so much for taking the time on this busy wednesday to join us here on the morning after Yes, thank you guys for having me. I love coming on. So let's start with football because football is back, Nikki. The Jets have been in camp yes. <laughs> for a week. The Giants showed up yesterday. At the end of today, all 32 NFL teams will have reported to training camp. And the big news on a Tuesday to get us ready for a ton of camp reports was Saquon Barkley agreeing to the short-term extension with the Giants one year worth up to $11 million in incentives with an additional $2 million signing bonus up front and in Saquon's pocket. So those are the figures of the deal, Nikki. But what does it mean for the Giants to start off training camp with Saquon Barkley there? Yeah, I think it's a big deal that he's there for training camp. I personally didn't think he was going to be back at all for training camp, never mind for the beginning of training camp. So I think Giants fans yeah. can take a breath. They can be relieved. Not only can they go to training camp and see Saquon, but they know for a fact that he will be there for week one because there was question marks if he would be there for week yeah. one. Um, I think... You know, he was trying to hold out as long as possible, and then he realized, the Giants realized, this isn't going to help their team if he's not playing on week one. Like, they need him as much as they need anyone on that team. So um, I think it was the right decision. I think he kind of is not happy about the fact that he doesn't have a long-term deal, but then he can just play through it this right. season, figure it out when the time comes. But I think the Giants aren't the Giants without him, and he and the front office knew that if they didn't get something done, then the whole team is going to suffer come the regular season. 
a career best on the ground last year for Saquon Barkley in year number five in the NFL, 1,312 rushing yards, a career high, all a part of a Giants team that made it to the playoffs and won a postseason game on the road in Minneapolis. The New York Jets, Nikki, trying to get to the playoffs for the first time since 2010, a 12-year postseason drought. It is the longest in all of the National Football League. But now Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback for Gang Green. They reported the camp exactly a week ago on July 19th. They've been out on the practice field, and all looks pretty good to start. Aaron Rodgers has some new bling, courtesy of Sauce Gardner. He's tossing the pigskin around. Garrett Wilson, the reigning offensive rookie of the year, is making play after play. Nikki, how have the New York Jets looked to you so far in this first week of training camp practice? Well, I think at the beginning, like everyone was saying, the defense kind of outshined the offense, which is expected early on in training camp. But then you look at Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson, they, they look like a match made in heaven. I mean, they're already producing highlight-worthy plays. The fans are excited. Robert Sala is excited. And they've only been working together. I know they had some time during OTAs, but if you really think about it, they've only been together for a week. So if that's what they're doing after a week of practice together, imagine what's going to happen, not only when the regular season starts, but but down the line, I think this could be the year they make the playoffs. It, it feels like a lifetime ago I saw the Jets in the playoffs. So I don't want to speak too soon, right. but I think with Alan Lazard as someone that Aaron Rodgers is comfortable with, and then you have McCall Hardman, and then you have Garrett Wilson, and then you have a defense that's expected to be pretty good. I think the Jets have high expectations, but the high expectations come with a lot of pressure. So I think um, week one will be a huge test, especially against the Bills, a team that is a Super Bowl contender all the time or in the most recent year. So I think it'll be a big test for them right out of the gates. Those two New York teams in prime time to end out week number one. The Giants host the Cowboys on Sunday night football at MetLife. Not a big turnaround for the MetLife crew to get the stadium ready for the very next night as the Jets host the Bills on Monday night football to end out week number one of the 2023 NFL regular season. So let's look at these two New York football teams before we go to the two New York baseball teams on the diamond. Nikki, you mentioned it. High expectations for the Jets but with that a ton of pressure the win total is nine and a half they have the second best number to win the AFC East the fourth best price to win the conference championship in the AFC with Aaron Rodgers as New York's starting quarterback Nikki what does success look like for the Jets in 2023 See, again, I think it's kind of like you have to just wait and see. Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys that kind of can make magic happen. It's just what can the guys around him do? Do I think they're going to go to the Super Bowl this year? No. But I think this could be the year they get to the playoffs. This could be the year they win over nine games. I mean, I don't remember the last time the Jets were even remotely good. So I think with this guy, with all those eyes on him, they should be able to make the playoffs this year, especially reigning offensive rookie of the year, reigning defensive rookie of the year. They have all the pieces. Right. It's just can they put it together and can they do it when it matters? I mean, you could be good the first three weeks, but can you be good down the stretch? That's kind of the question for me. And the defense might lead the way for Robert Sala's team. They were top five in both scoring and total defense last year in 2022. How will Jets fans feel if they make the postseason, but they don't reach the level of an AFC title game under Aaron Rodgers? It will be interesting to follow all year long. On the other side, the New York Giants, a playoff team in the first year with Brian Dayball as the head coach in a road victory in Minneapolis over the Vikings. Nikki, what do you expect for an encore out of Dayball and Big Blue in 2023? 
So we were talking about on SNY the other night. The last time the Giants actually made back-to-back playoffs was 2007-2008. So again, it feels like a lifetime ago. I think they have high expectations because they had this great season. They didn't do very well, like, post playoffs and then now it's like okay can they do it again or was that a fluke so they needed Saquon Daniel Jones has to perform like he did last season and then they need everyone else to work it can't just be the Daniel Jones Saquon Barkley show so the defense has to has to play well all the other receivers everyone on the team it's a group effort so I don't know I usually don't have high expectations for the Jets or Giants just because I've lived around here and I've seen kind of how it's been my whole life um but I think that they have the potential to. I mean, in year one, we saw what they did, and now it's like, okay, let's do that again. Let's show them that was a real deal. That wasn't just a fluke. You didn't just get lucky. Seven and a half is the win total for the Giants this year. It was the same exact win total, seven and a half for the Giants entering 2022, the rookie campaign with Brian Dayball as the head coach, but he was the NFL's coach of the year in 2022. All right, now from the gridiron to the diamond, the Subway Series in the opener last night at Yankee Stadium. The Mets on the road, slightly a nine to three victory. Five RBIs, two long balls from Pete Alonso at the plate, and then on the bump, Justin Verlander lander an absolute gem six innings of work shutout baseball six strikeouts the Mets win the opener of this second subway series of the year nine to three Nikki what was your main takeaway from that game last night up in the Bronx well I I feel like when I watch both these teams I get frustrated and yesterday the Mets were kind of frustrating me even at the end of the game I was like why why are you letting the bases get loaded when you're up by this much but then you know their bullpen kind of hasn't been great this season Verlander that's the Verlander that they need on this team and they need Alonzo to play like that that's what they expect from him but as for the Yankees it's just you can't just get five hits you can't leave the bases loaded twice you can't have Stanton and Brizzo up with the bases loaded and get two runs out of it so I think the Yankees are frustrating to watch right now as are the Mets but the Mets didn't look that bad because they had their pitcher doing what he's supposed to be doing that's what they pay him to do six innings I would have liked to see him go into the seventh inning but if you pitch six scoreless, you, you can't get upset with Verlander pitching like that. So I think the Yankees tonight, it's a bigger game for them because, again, only two and a half games out of the wild card. This means more for them because they have to start doing something here. The Mets are kind of like, all right, we just got to we gotta just figure it out before the trade deadline. So I don't know. I think the takeaway for that was the Yankees just don't look good. Their pitching looked bad and their hitting looked bad, point blank. They just didn't look like a good team yesterday. The Yanks are still above 500, but now only five games above 500. They sit in last in their division in the American League East, but as Nikki said, only two and a half games back of the third and final American League wildcard spot. The Mets, a victory, yay! Still six games below 500 for the Amazing. Six days out from the MLB trade deadline and seven games back of a postseason wildcard spot in the National League. So, Nikki, both teams entered the year with exceedingly high expectation. How would you sum up the season for New York baseball? Again, disappointing. I think I said this last time I was on. It's still disappointing. Yeah, I think changed. that the Mets had these high expectations. Everyone thought Buck Walter was this like genius and he's fixing all these problems. You have over 100 wins, and then you come in, and you're, you're like, what, 18 games back in your division? I'm not saying you have to be the Atlanta Braves, but at the same time, it's you shouldn't be that, that many games back when you have a team, a lineup. You have two star pitchers like you do. It's just disappointing on the Mets side. As for the Yankees, you can't let the 
Aaron Judge missing caused this much commotion. Yeah. They should not be this bad without Aaron Judge. And they're like, oh, we, we swept the Royals. It's the Royals. We can't be like, oh, the Yankees offense is back because they swept the Royals. They need to show they could do it against good teams, and they need to have guys that can be clutch hitters and not be slumping all at the same time. You know, So I think tonight's a big test. Yeah. Uh, Rodon doesn't look great. I don't know if the fans are going to be happy with him after he blew kisses is when he uh, – pitched horribly so we'll be it'll be interesting to see if he gets any booze or what what's the deal with that yeah Rodon making just his second start in front of the pinstripe faithful in Yankee Stadium he is 0-3 this year with a 7-3-6 ERA and even in Anaheim a contingent of Yankee fans Rodon blew them kisses after struggling early on Nikki Latarulo will be there live at Yankee Stadium tonight for SNY Nikki thank you so much for your time here on the morning after a women's world cup preview up next SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Match day number two. For the two-time defending Women's World Cup champion, the United States Women's National Team. Tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern time to kick a rematch of the 2019 World Cup final against the Netherlands. Welcome back to this Wednesday. Live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. We will preview the game against the Dutch tonight for the U.S. Women's National Team. We'll recap the opener for Team USA and what we have seen so far at the Women's World Cup down under in Australia and New Zealand with Anthony DeBundo from Action Network. He joins us live right here. He was here last week to preview the entire tournament back ahead of match day number two for the U.S. against the Netherlands tonight. Anthony, thank you so much for taking the time on this Wednesday, as always, to join us here on TMA. Yeah, good to be here. Great match this morning. Uh, those have been few and far between thus far, but Canada and Ireland, 2-1 thriller, lots of back and forth. Just the second time in 21 matches at this World Cup that both teams have scored in the game. Uh, it kind of gets to the point. It's been a very low-scoring World Cup, but now that we're in match day two, hoping we can get some more cohesion, some more uh, good attacking play, and some goals. The team's knocking off the rust. That was certainly a storyline, Anthony. You had your eye on for the U.S. opener against Vietnam. Now, they were a minus 20,000 match money line favorite as we detailed entering the opener for Team USA. They cashed that ticket. They win 3-0 against Vietnam. They outshoot the Vietnamese 28-0 in the opening match down under the 2023 Women's World Cup. But, Anthony, they were a six-goal favorite. The total for the match was five and a half, so all of the offense was expected out of the Americans. How would you describe the effort for the U.S. women's national team in their opener in the 2023 World Cup? Yeah, I think it was a little disjointed. You know, you saw uh, some players in and out. Rose Lavelle coming in the second half. I thought that really made them better. Uh, maybe part of it was also Vietnam wearing down a bit from their strategy. Credit them for a good defensive approach. Uh, but I think the stat that really sticks out to me, the United States completed just 75% of its passes uh, in the first match. That's like eighth in the tournament. Uh, when you consider the level of opponent and the level that we've come to expect from the United States, that's a pretty low number. Uh, and, you know, really Vietnam not having much in terms of attacking firepower let the United States off the hook here. You have to credit the United States. They didn't allow a shot. They did create 
uh, four non-penalty expected goals. So it was still a, a comprehensive performance. But you know, Alex Morgan even made a comment about this after the game that it just didn't quite feel right. And I would agree with that. I thought Trinity Rodman and Sophia Smith, the two young uh, wingers and, and wide forwards, yeah. were really impressive. You look at like their underlying ball progression, bringing the ball into the penalty area. Uh, but it was a very quiet game from Morgan. Uh, it was a very quiet game for the other attacking midfielders, not named Lindsey Horan. So I, I think there are some question marks about how connected this team is. And, and, you know, can they break down a better defensive low block than the one they saw last week? I think there's still major questions about that. And it's been a question about this team for multiple years now. This is not a new occurrence that they've had these kind of struggles. Anthony, you highlighted Sophia Smith entering the opener for the Americans. Two goals and an assist. She contributed to all three TUMUSA scored against Vietnam. Now, the Americans did enter as the heavy favorites to win their group. Group E, of course, advanced to the knockout round and what that means for the draw elsewhere around the 2023 Women's World Cup. It was a minus 310 price before that debut match down under. Still nearly a $3 favorite, but minus to 80. Anthony, do you still feel that the U.S. women's national team is in a good spot in their group following their opening game against Vietnam? I do. Uh, the Dutch only got one against Portugal. It was a relatively flat match. Not a ton happened in it. It was pretty much they got the early goal and then sat on it. Uh, it was a controlled yeah. win for the Dutch against Portugal. Uh, but I think the United States would be able to get more margin if they needed to in the next match. So, you know, even a draw for the United States against the Dutch would still leave them as the small favorite to advance. Of course, the Dutch could also run it up on Vietnam. So that, that is a potential issue for the U.S. Uh, it is a, an imperative that the U.S. does win the group for its prospects of winning this tournament. Uh, it's the difference between playing Sweden in the round of 16, potentially, or playing uh, like in Italy uh, and, and having a much better quarterfinal against, you know, say, Japan. So the, the draw gets much more favorable if they win the group, which is a major key. Uh, they are our favorites to win this match against the Dutch. I kind of come into the tournament lower than the market on both teams. Uh, so, you know, the Dutch, this is not just a World Cup final rematch, but also an Olympic rematch. Uh, they played in the Olympic quarterfinals in 2021. Viv Miedema scored twice for the Dutch. They ended at 2-2. U.S. won on pens. No Viv Miedema at this tournament for the Dutch, the top striker for them. She has an ACL injury. So uh, not as much firepower from the Dutch in this, in this version of the team, uh, but still a worthy foe for sure. So tonight's match, a 9 p.m. Eastern time kick here stateside, a rematch of the 2019 World Cup final. As Anthony just detailed, it could be pivotal for the United States women's national team in terms of what it looks like in the knockout stage and what it means for the rest of the draw for this tournament. The Americans favored in the 90-minute match bet on the money line, minus 150, plus 240 currently on FanDuel for a draw in this match between the Netherlands and the Americans knowing Anthony this is a rematch of that 2019 World Cup final does it bring extra juice into match number two for both of these teams at the 2023 Women's World Cup I think it has to. I mean, from a tournament perspective, uh, a lot of people will see this as like the big start of the tournament, you know, because the first round of matches were not that exciting. There weren't any high profile blockbusters. And now this is the start of what, you know, should be uh, some better matches coming up. Australia and Canada will play next week. That'll be a big one. France and Brazil on Saturday. Uh, and then this match, which is to date the biggest match of the cup. So, and really the unofficial start for the United States. Uh, and so, you know, with it being not just, like I said, not just the rematch from the World Cup, the rematch from the Olympics, too. I know the Dutch are yeah. a little bit salty about that. Uh, they have a chance to get kind of double revenge here tonight. Uh, and I think that they certainly have a path here. You know, the United States, 
like I mentioned before, has not looked great against low defensive blocks. Uh, the Dutch are not naturally a team that likes to play that way, uh, but they've shown they can be effective at it uh, at times when needed. They've also gotten blown out on occasion. They lost to France pretty badly uh, at the Euros last summer, trying to play a more passive style. So there are more question marks about this Dutch defense, but they have, even without Miedema, enough attacking firepower to threaten the United States. Uh, and I think the biggest key is, is Rose Lavelle and her health and her fitness. She was not in great form with the club uh, teams coming into this. She had been battling injury. Yeah. She only played about 25 minutes. How much is she able to give tonight? Because you know she was, I thought, one of our best players at the last uh, World Cup and and really yeah. one of our you know rising stars. Uh, whether or not she's able to really contribute in that midfield next to Haran is, is a big key. And then you know Sophia Smith is our, I think, our best player, uh, and how she's able to replicate the performance from from Friday night. Rose Lavelle in 2019, the Wisconsin Badger, was key in midfield in creation. Lindsey Horan did a good number of that in the opener against Vietnam on Friday. You mentioned Sophia Smith. You mentioned the key matchups and how the strategy breaks down between the USA and the Netherlands tonight. Is there a key player you would look at to find the back of the net, Anthony, in match number two for the U.S.? Uh, it's it's tough now because we're not exactly sure what the lineup would look like. I don't think Lavelle will start. I, I mean, I'd love her. I'm seeing plus 330 on your board. I would certainly bet that if she were starting. But again, you know, with her only potentially playing 25, 30 minutes, it's a little bit trickier. Uh, no interest in Alex Morgan at plus 145. I thought Morgan looked a little bit off the pace in the first match. Her underlying numbers were not all that impressive. She did get the penalty, which, you know, being on penalties is a big advantage, of course, for trying to score. Yep. Uh, but I think plus 145 is a little bit uh, expensive on her. And, and so I would look at, you know, maybe Smith, if you were looking to really play into that. But I, I do expect this to be low scoring. You know, the United States mm. uh, struggled to con create consistent chances the first 25, 30 minutes of the match against Vietnam. Uh, and I, I think that this has been an ongoing thing for the United States in the past. If you go to some of their friendlies, whether when they played Portugal, when they played uh, other teams like, like you know New Zealand, uh, they they would kind of ease their way into games and wait for kind of their talent and their you know superior athleticism to kind of win them the match as the other team tired. Uh, it wasn't the United States you know hitting the front really quickly that necessarily uh, has has kind of sprung this team for the last few years. So uh, I think you could see a little bit of a slow start to this game. Uh, maybe look for like a live over. Uh, you know the the games have been so dire and so low scoring that the market has accounted for that and has lowered a lot of these totals a lot. Uh, could be some value on maybe a live over if this game does get off to a slow start, which I am anticipating. Under two and a half goals tonight for the match overall is minus 175 for both teams to score. As Anthony said, it's been a rare occurrence so far at the 2023 Women's World Cup. That's the favorite side to the no, minus 152. Here's where Team USA, the two-time defending World Cup title winners, stands entering tonight's second match of their trip down under. Still the favorites to win Group E, still heavily favored to make the quarterfinals at minus 700. Although the draw, as Anthony has detailed, important for that. Nearly a $2 favorite to make the semifinals. And they are the favorites to win the title at the World Cup. And the favorites in terms of the shortest number to at least reach that final match once again. So, Anthony, as we look at the tournament overall it started with a huge upset as new zealand knocked off norway and then new zealand was upset 
by the Philippines. In fact, Group A is the only group so far where at this stage of the tournament, the team that was favored to win the group prior is now a different favorite. It was Norway entering, now it's Switzerland at a minus 280 price. So Anthony, as you have watched and broken down the 21 matches we have seen at the 2023 Women's World Cup, what's been the story of the tournament so far? Yeah, certainly New Zealand's been topsy-turvy. Uh, I bet them to not advance out of their group. Thought it was dead after they beat Norway. Then they lose to the Philippines, which is a remarkable victory for them. Uh, their first World Cup, you know, getting a win. You know, their goal coming into this was to score a goal. Not only did they score a goal, but they won the match, which is huge for them. And they have a chance to advance on the final day. That That's going to be a chaotic final day uh, coming up next week. So that will be fun to watch. Uh, France had a really lackluster first half against uh, Jamaica, and they have kind of ceded control of that group for now to the Brazilians, but they're going to play each other on Saturday morning. Uh, you know, the market has moved heavily toward Brazil. I disagree with it. I think France is just fine. They have a set-piece advantage. Uh, Brazil looked like world beaters in the uh, first match. They dominated, scored uh, a ton of goals, but going to be playing a much yeah. tougher competition now. Uh, and then I think the, the real interesting story here is actually Spain. Uh, Spain has had two completely dominant wins, haven't been in a tough group necessarily, but the fact that they have all these off-the-field issues with the manager and players coming in and out and you know potential issues behind the scenes going on, well, they haven't shown it because they came out and just dominated back-to-back -back matches. You know, Back before all this drama kind of happened off the field, I had highlighted Spain as the team that I thought had the most attacking talent in this tournament, uh, and they have shown it with their depth and their quality thus far. They're going to play Japan for the group title uh, in the final day, uh, and Spain is going to be probably on the U.S. half of the bracket. Uh, and maybe in the U.S.'s quarter, depending on how it goes. So that's a potential dangerous, dangerous opponent for the United States looking ahead to the knockout stage. Both Spain and Japan, perfect through two matches at the Women's World Cup. The goal differential for the Spaniards, eight for the Japanese, it is seven. They have been dominant throughout this 2023 World Cup, and my apologies. Brazil was not the favorite entering this tournament. Now they are in front of France, and as Anthony mentioned, they face each other on Saturday. The French drew with Jamaica in their opening match. Brazil 4-0 in a big win to open up their play at the 2023. 23 women's world cup about 30 seconds left anthony in this segment is there any updated value in your mind as you look at the title odds for the action we will see down under yeah you're seeing the market react to that spain thing you know i mentioned how good they looked in their first two matches and kind of setting aside the off the field issues if they've done that i think that they're a worthy foe for the united states there potentially uh, otherwise no real uh, interesting note england did not look sharp in its first game i still have major doubts about yeah. them uh, Germany's path may be tougher, as good as they looked. Uh, and we're rooting on Alex Pop for Golden Boot. She had two in the first game. Anthony DeBundo breaking it down from the Action Network. We appreciate your time. We round out the show up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome to the final couple of minutes of this Wednesday live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid. We close out our two hours together by giving you a best bet. So before we do that, we say thank you for joining us on this 
Wednesday, all across the Sports Grid Network, Sirius XM Channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. And of course, the Spiz Grizz Network, which is Sports Grid, includes the new Sports Grid app, the ultimate sports betting companion app, now available for download at the Apple App Store. Scan the QR code on your screen in a matter of moments. You have all of our insight all of our data, all of our best bets, the five-star plays in your favorite sport, your favorite league, your favorite team. A significant Wednesday around the bigs in Major League Baseball. Rivalry week in MLB. The Rays in the Marlins. The Citrus Series. The Mets in the Yankees. The Subway Series. Battles for top spots in divisions between the Reds and the Brewers in the National League Central. The Rangers in the Astros in the American League West. So on and so forth around MLB. But I'm going to focus on the 2023 Women's World Cup. Match day number two for the two-time defending champions, the United States Women's National Team, in a rematch of that 2019 World Cup final against the Dutch. So before we say farewell and goodbye, it is time for Bye Bye Bye. You know the names as a part of the U.S. Women's National Team. Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, Rose Lavelle, so on and so forth. Well, in the debut for the Americans in 2023 against Vietnam, it was Sophia Smith that made the lasting impact, contributing to all three American goals, scoring a brace herself. That's two, assisting on the final in the second half that Lindsey Horan scored. That was three in terms of how things added up for the U.S. For Sophia Smith to either score a goal or record an assist tonight, it's plus 115 against the Dutch. That's my best bet. I'm not here the next couple of days. Everybody will be here behind the scenes to help you fill in. Joe Ranieri is here on Newswire, up next on Sports.